Cadavercast. I'm Al Burnham. And I'm Cadaver Dad Jeff Burnham. And we are coming to you from the Frankenstein's Monkey Farm. Where one of our monkeys is on the prowl here, man. Our cat, <laughs> that is. Mm-hmm. She's wandering around screaming, so there she goes again. I don't know if our listeners will be able to hear it, but if you hear any strained cries of like a child, <laughs> it's our cat going, it's like she's talking. Anyway, <laughs> Alistair, now that we've <laughs> given that little bit of warning to our listeners, let's get into the show. What are we doing this time around? We are doing The Boy Who Cried Werewolf. From 1973, which, according to the trailer that's on the Blu-ray was playing on a double bill with... His? No. His. Try it again. There it is. Yep. Don't say it. Hiss. Hiss it. <laughs> that's right. Uh, which is about snakes, and uh, it's that's a movie that scared the crud out of me when I was a kid. The Boy Who Cried Werewolf would not have scared me quite so much if I saw it when I was a kid, but I guess we'll talk about that here. Alistair, with that in mind, let's, I guess, start off with a little bit of parental guidance, if we could. This movie is rated PG, but it's a 1973 PG, which means that, yes, you probably do want to watch it with your kids. Parental guidance is strongly suggested that's why it's uh, the rating that they gave it so it's a 1973 pg which means they can get away with stuff like blood and gore and whatnot but what do we find in this film that maybe parents should be concerned about their kids seeing if it's the sort of thing that, that they care about two guys with stakes through their hearts right yeah people get impaled and that's it huh uh there might be some language i don't really remember much swearing I also don't remember much gore otherwise. There's like a severed arm, but you don't even see the end of the arm that's cut off. It's clearly just somebody with their arm stuck into the screen and it's kind of covered in blood, like stuck into the frame. Yeah. You know? So, yeah, this is a pretty tame one, all told. But we do enjoy watching it, even though it's maybe not the scariest. We found a lot of... Um, things that they tried to hide, maybe? I don't know how to say it. Well, just sort of like, you know, the the seams of the production are showing, right? Mm -hmm. It's a film where they made some questionable decisions that made it onto the screen. Yeah. Uh, Which is kind of why I enjoy watching it the most. I think I get the most fun Mm -hmm. out of that, watching it for its production peculiarities um all told i'd say it's maybe a bit of a slower film 
especially in the middle chunk there's it kind of dips a bit but it's got such strange choices <laughs> on the filmmaker's part that there's always something weird happening or about to happen it's usually the same couple things but even still it's you know there's there's always something to marvel over so, Alistair, why don't you talk a little bit about those peculiarities that we enjoy seeing so much in the film? So, first thing that was the first thing we saw was... It's the first thing you see in the film. You're right. Yes. yes. <laughs> Literally, the first thing you see is a werewolf. Right. But then, we also see in the mask, you can see the person's mouth yeah. in the werewolf mouth. Yes. Every single time. Every time. It never fails. You can see the actor's lips inside the mouth of the werewolf. Yeah. So it's like the werewolf doesn't have its own mouth. It's kind of got its own outer mouth with its own teeth. But inside its mouth is a human mouth with the lips sort of wrapped around the teeth to try to hide the fact that they didn't do anything with the mask to hide the human mouth inside. But then it's still... Makes the lips easier to show, basically. Like It's really pronounced because the person is trying so hard to hide their teeth. Did you notice if they ever accidentally didn't cover the teeth in a shot? I don't know. I felt like they didn't in a shot, at least in my memory of the first time we watched it. But when we were watching it yesterday, I don't remember seeing anyone's teeth in the mask right but they have to and and here's the thing right so if you're wondering why would you even have the werewolf open its mouth wide if the human mouth is still visible within why not keep your distance or whatever you know or why not i guess more specifically why not just not have it open its mouth right but the werewolf mask has major limitations yeah the only moving part on the mask is the mouth, so it's just constantly moving its mouth. Yeah, <laughs> the actor has to keep their mouth opening and closing because otherwise the werewolf's face is completely static. It has yeah. no articulation whatsoever. It's I don't I don't even know if like the the actor can move their eyebrows. They can blink, look around and open and close their mouth so that we see the human mouth inside. And sometimes, uh, you noticed a weird thing with the werewolf early Um, on. There's a a long shot of him. There's one shot where the werewolf is running, but then he had human hands. And then the next shot, he has werewolf hands. Yeah, and and it's not like that's a little thing either in the movie. Because actually, the werewolf hands are kind of a big plot point. Yeah. Right? I mean, like the, the length of a lycanthrope's index finger the longer they are a lycanthrope like it becomes longer right it extends beyond the middle finger that's kind Mm -hmm. of one of the tells in this movie of the werewolf if they become a werewolf enough like it'll stay that way yeah basically so yeah there's there's one other big i wouldn't call it a mistake but a a production choice. We we can talk about why they made this decision. I, I think we can we both understand why. But there was a poor decision made along the way regarding 
a certain element of lighting. Oh, um, day for night. Right. They shot a lot of it day for night. And, like, they tried, but not a very good day for night. And then what makes it more day for night is they filmed, a like, a like one scene in the in the nighttime yeah <laughs> they kind of had to though well there there are definitely a couple scenes and they're not even full scenes they're part of other scenes parts of scenes yeah. where they're filmed during the night rather than shot day for night yeah it's like and, day and it for night out. and then it's night and that makes the day for night more day for night yeah i mean uh, for those of you who are Word Salad patrons and listen to uh, my series Cinemuck over there on Patreon, uh, it's something that we talk about a lot with the films of like Al Adamson. It's something that low budget films had a lot of times in like the 70s in particular. It kind of stands out just because of the, I guess, poor quality of how it was achieved. But it's kind of difficult to do it positively in in like a an effective way no yeah. matter what but it is something that i we've talked about over on cinemuck uh particularly with al adamson's films that it just doesn't work right so Wasn't here it, um plan nine for outer space that kept switching yes between okay. day or night that's a great example because uh what i was going to point out in al adamson's films is it's the same thing as ed wood was doing right so i guess what they're doing here is an ed wood choice where they are filming day for night and even if you get to a point in the movie where you can start going okay i you know what this is just night i'll just accept that it's night even though it's clearly 3 p.m then they'll have random shots that are totally filmed at night yeah so it makes those day for night shots stand out but i don't even know that we've conveyed what day for night is why don't you tell our listeners what day for night shooting is in case they are uh, anybody's unaware of it or they've heard the term but aren't 100% certain what day for night shooting is. Day for night shooting is where you're doing nighttime shots but you're well, doing the them in the story they're nighttime yes, shots. In the right? story they're nighttime shots but you're filming them in the day. So frankly, I I don't know how it works though, how you do it. Well, well one of the tricks is to put a kind of filter over the lens of the camera, right? So that it turns everything sort of a nighttime sort of a tint, right? But even still, you can tell it's day, even if they make it like blue, even if they do totally blue image to try to convey that it's night, you can still tell it's shot during the day, even still, right? So um, that's one way that they do it in the, but I mean, predominantly though, Predominantly, the method by which you would do it is either, you know, with a filter or by closing up the aperture on the lens of the camera to such a point that you're letting in less light than you otherwise would so that it comes so that the image comes through like darker. Right. The aperture um, is what lets when you're shooting on film, it's what lets light come into the camera, into the lens of the camera. Like to expose the middle of the your film. eye? Yeah, basically. Right. And. Like if you if you squint your eyes, right? If you squint your eyes at me and you have just a kind of slightly open, you can see me, but it's like really, really dark, right? Yeah. That is, that is how they would do essentially day for night is they'd close it up so much that, you know, you're getting very little of the light. Problem. 
And this is the this is the ultimate fundamental problem with day for night. The best source of lighting you can have in a film because it's cheap and and it's always there is the sun and it's bright. Um, if you're filming during the day and it's a sunny day, your aperture being the most closed it can be while letting in any light may still actually be letting like too much light in for it to look at all like nighttime. Um, back when we were in film school shooting on 16 millimeter, the, oh, what is it? It, it would be, oh, I'm trying to remember which way the, the numbers go. If it was one was fully open or closed. Oh my gosh. I haven't shot actually on film in forever. <laughs> um, so, ugh. but like the, the way that it was fully closed was, you know, so that we had um, the, the lowest setting on the lens was actually one that we would tend to use when we were filming outside in the day, no matter what. Just because Why? it would let in so much light. If we opened it up any more, even one tick more, it would let in so much light that it would wipe our film stock. You get too much light on film stock and it turns it completely clear. Oh. Yeah. So like you could see totally through it because the light just burns straight through, you know, the, uh, you know, the, like the silver halide crystals. It completely wipes the image. But... That's what they're trying to accomplish with Day for Night, and that's why they can't, because sunlight is just too bright. Yeah. And you can tell because of the shadows. Daytime shadows are very distinct. Mm -hmm. This is something they had better luck with. Now I'm just doing film lectury stuff. I'll shut up in a second. <laughs> <laughs> but um, when I was taking classes on cinematography uh, back at you know Columbia College Chicago... I was taking a class on 1930s studio cinematography. And what we would look at is especially the films that would be like shot outside that would have day for night shooting. We would look at how they accomplished that. And it's all about getting the camera in the right position so that you don't capture those shadows, right? The daytime shadows. So you have to be on like the specific side of things so that they're not casting a shadow into the frame. Uh, the sun's directly above you or whatever, or you're on the side of something that, you know, isn't casting that shadow so that you see it. It's really complicated to get it looking good, but it's kind of only doable in black and white and not in color. And there you go. I'll stop talking. Mm -hmm. Alistair. <laughs> Day for night. There we go. Okay. Um, what else do you want to talk about here? Oh, there was one more werewolf thing I saw. Okay. So, well, before we talk about this, we should probably talk about our main characters. Uh, okay, so we've got Richie? Is that his name? Yeah. Richie and his dad. Mm -hmm. Do you remember his dad's name? No. I don't think they ever say his name. All right, so... He's just a dad. <laughs> All right, so what's going on in Richie's life? Really briefly explain the story so that we can talk about... You know, the, the plot briefly. Not much not much happens in it, uh, generally speaking. The title kind of tells you everything. The Boy Who Cried Werewolf. Um, it's effectively The Boy Who Cried Wolf, or at least from everybody else's perspective it is. So, do you know what that is? 
Um, the boy the, who cried wolf? Yeah, yeah. Oh, okay. So, like, that's what people are thinking is going on in the story, that he's going, there's a werewolf. And they're like, yeah, all right, all right. Sure, there's a werewolf. But there really is a werewolf. They think yeah. he's just making it up, like the boy who cried wolf. Mm-hmm. Um, but Richie's there with his dad out in the woods. What do you what do you want to say there about the story to get us through to whatever the heck else we're going to so, talk about? Like him and his dad are up in the mountains in a cabin, basically, and they're going on a walk to get their appetite up. Right. And then they yeah, meet they're the going to walk to town. Yeah. Yeah, and then they meet the werewolf. Right. And then the dad gets bitten by the werewolf, knocks the werewolf off the side of a cliff. Yep. And it's he pretty cool. Lands with a like. A roadside spike through his heart. Right. And that's the main way that we're told werewolves can die in this. We're also told two other ways. Do you remember? Um, Getting bashed in the head with silver? Yeah, specifically and... bashed in the head. Which is not normal. No, it's usually, you know, you shoot a werewolf with a silver bullet and it just dies. Yeah. You know, that kind of thing. But specifically here, silver to the brain. Mm-hmm. Because in Monster Squad, it literally shows you have to kill it with a silver bullet. Because they, right. they explode the werewolf, and then it <laughs> comes back together. Yeah, yeah. There's also then one other way that Richie says we can kill a werewolf in this. Is it fire? I don't know. I don't remember. I don't, I don't remember. think he says it. I think he says the, a third way, but the silver one is weird. And also, the stake through the heart is not the most common way of it's killing werewolves. Well, it's definitely like a vampire thing, but there's crossover there yeah. for sure. And also, if it's made of silver and it's a stake and you stake a werewolf through the heart, well, then he's dead, right? Yeah. I mean, in theory, no matter what. But yeah. So they get mm-hmm. attacked by the werewolf. Werewolf dies. Dad's been bitten. Yeah. And then the rest of the movie's about him and his dad. Yeah. Because. His dad turns into a werewolf. Yes. And Richie's like, he's trying to figure out. And then he like, he's like, there's a werewolf. Ah. Yeah. And yeah. people get a bunch of people get killed in cars. Yeah. Richie doesn't know that it's his dad at first. He really thinks that there is still another werewolf and that his dad is going to help him kill this werewolf, too, or something. Mm-hmm. But, but it then, becomes apparent really quickly that mm-hmm. it's his parent. But then I have found another one. Another what? There is, um, I talked about this one scene where with the new dad werewolf, the right. dad Aglachi. <laughs> well, okay. Now you're getting into our Frankenstein's Monkey Farm specific references. What is that a joke about? Uh, the, fill everybody um, in. <laughs> from Yana Aglachi, which is, like, means werewolf. Yeah, in the movie. Werewolf? Yeah, that was on Mystery Science Theater. Mm-hmm. That's one of our favorite episodes. And the werewolves are called Yanaglachi. And mm-hmm. it's just a cool word. Yanaglachi yeah. is a great word. Mm-hmm. So Not I, as good as onomatopoeia, though. Um, well, that's a pretty good one, too. Yanaglachi is close. Yeah, at, at it's least. up there. You have to admit that. Okay. Mm-hmm. Yanaglachi is one of my favorite words. Um, but that's, yeah, so Dad Aglachi, right? Mm-hmm. But cars end up getting <laughs> thrown around, driving off cliffs, exploding. People get their heads ripped off. But a lot of it happens off screen, sadly. Mm-hmm. I mean, not like I, 
Not that necessarily I want Alistair to see gore or whatever, but we're told a lot of amazing things happened. That like off screen. That would be good, cool to see, but nah. Yeah, nope. But we then, just don't get to see it. I saw one thing when one of the when the dad was running as a werewolf. One of the shots of him running was of the first non-dad werewolf. Ooh, interesting. Yeah, yeah I didn't catch that. I'm not. Yeah, it was it was a different shot, and then it like because his clothing his was clothes the same. Was different, yeah, yeah, and then it went back to the same clothes as it was. Interesting. No, I didn't catch that. Oh man, I'll have to look for it next time around, and there will be a next time. We've watched it a couple few times, and it's fun. I have a good yeah. time with it, for mm-hmm. sure. It's on Blu-ray from Scream Factory, but it may be out of print. I don't know. There's not much to the Blu-ray. It's just the movie and then uh, the trailer and, like, a photo gallery. Mm-hmm. And the trailer is mostly about Yeah. So, I don't, I don't know, man. Anyway. But. There's a little else happens, though. I mean... We knew when we went into this episode, there would be little to say about the story because it's really Richie's dad is a werewolf. Richie has to convince people that his dad's a werewolf. They don't believe him. So his dad keeps killing people while he's a werewolf. And then his dad gets Done. a stake through his heart. Spoilers. Yes. <laughs> but, it, but it's yeah. kind of not much to the story at all. No. The the fun part of it all is the werewolf business. <laughs> yes. See? With all the things that we could exploit that were wrong. <laughs> For comedy's sake, just to laugh yes. about, you know? Yeah. Yeah, I, I gotcha. I gotcha. <laughs> there's also then, I guess the only thing we really haven't mentioned is there's then like a, I, I don't know, like a Jesus freak hippie commune that's Which... formed in the woods that takes on the werewolf at one point like they actually have the ability to to use like the power of christ to keep the werewolf away from them like they actually like sort of summon up a magic circle in the name of god and like actually when they do that they make it realistic like how he does that is so realistic though when you know how they did that no how it's like because, of course, he's, like, trying to get into the circle, uh, the dad. But it's, like, a circle meant to keep out demons and Satan. So when his dad's trying to get in, he's, like, pushing against this sort of force field. And his fingers, like, his fingertips, you can see them flattening, right? Yeah. That's because they just put a, like, a wall of, like, plexiglass, like a sheet of plexiglass between him and the camera. So he's actually pushing on clear glass trying to get into this circle. Wow. But when we watch it again... If you keep your eye on sort of the top part of the screen, not where he's pushing against the plexiglass, but like above him, there's sort of reflections of things in the plexiglass. Very, very subtle, hard to see, very slight reflections. But when he and you wouldn't see it except when he pushes on the plexiglass, it it makes the image bow out. So that's that's when you can tell it's plexiglass. You'll have to check it out next time. But outside of that, the the hippies like Mm -hmm. they don't have. I mean, I guess they do things, but it's like arguable. It's arguable how effective they are, I guess, you know? Yeah. So, yeah. Anything else to say about the story or the movie in general before we move into segments? No. Because really, this movie for us is all about 
watching the werewolf open his mouth and giggling seeing the man mouth inside because it's so goofy looking i mean it's hard to be scared of this movie when the werewolf looks like that man it's so funny but it's fun um so cool let's jump into beastly best what's your favorite monster moment in this thing um you go first Oh, boy, you want me to go first. Uh, I will say it's when the werewolf jumps out in front of the car and the car swerves off down the mountain, rolls over and explodes. Um, It's got two random old people in it, so that's a bummer for them. But a good old fashioned car rolling down a mountain and exploding. I have to agree. Yeah. It's totally incidental, though. That's what's funny about it. It's like the werewolf doesn't actually kill them. The woman who's in the passenger seat reaches over and, like, turns the wheel and swerves them off down the cliff and then they blow up, which is kind of their fault. So I don't even know if we can call that a beastly best, but that's Uh, mine. That's all. That, yeah, yeah. Well, I was going to say apart from when he opens his mouth, but I guess that would be our funny bones pick. We've already went over all our funny bones. Yeah, Absolutely. And get spooked. Is there any spooky moment in this at all? There probably would have been, but it's not spooky because of just the werewolf opening his mouth. Yeah, absolutely. The The transformation into a werewolf is done with one of those like freeze frame things of the dad. It's not even footage that like uh, dissolves into other footage. It is just still images of him in various stages of werewolf makeup application that dissolve into one another but they're still images so like there isn't even a convincing or scary transformation and then when he is the werewolf he's got the goofy mouth there's probably something in there that's mildly spooky but i don't know man maybe when he attacks the couple in the camper like in the trailer that just gives you a headache oh when they're spitting (laughs) that's all it does give you a headache well, I guess that's it for The Boy Who Cried yeah, Werewolf. Yeah, there's we've not been, much <laughs> no. at all. Well, we've been talking about doing this on the show for years because we do enjoy watching it, but we knew there wouldn't be much to say about it. Fortunately, we're recording this on the 30th of November and hope to have it up on the 30th of November because it's our second November episode. Who boy... Send out uh, all the positive vibes in retrospect through time to the past to help me get this episode edited. Thank you all for that. But Alistair, uh, why don't you tell our listeners where they can support us and find us online and all that kind of stuff? You can find us on Patreon at patreon.com slash word salad. You can find us on Twitter at cadaveric underscore cast, one word. You can find us on Instagram at CadaverCast, one word. Um, You can find us on Facebook at the CadaverCast Critters and Creeps Club. Join the club. You can find and buy our merch at teespring.com slash CadaverCast. Good. And you can email us at CadaverCast at gmail.com. Got it. Awesome, man. Good work. Yep. Get us signed out. You've been listening to another episode of CadaverCast. I'm Al Burnham. And I'm Cadaver Dad Jeff Burnham. We love ya. Thanks for listening, everybody. Thanks. Thanks.